Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. I got some things to say tonight that I think will help you a great deal. And uh, the Lord dealt with me when Jordan asked me that. I was thinking about praying in the Spirit. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. You're going you're to receive some information that will help you a lot. And, uh, you know, we're not going to take an immense amount of time to talk about it. We don't want to take enough because God said we're behind as a church. I'm not rebuking you, but just judge yourself while I'm talking. If you don't judge yourself while I'm talking, you might as well sit in the car. Because it don't even mean anything to you. You don't even put yourself in the realm of what I'm teaching. I'm just talking straight. I'm not mad at you. But we're talking about some things that are vital to us, and super important to us. I think they are. And I know you'll think so too when we get into these things here. Let's, let's start for just a minute. Let's go over to Mark 16. And you know, a famous chapter about, you know, whatever you preach, you'll have manifested. That's, that's a powerful thing. Mark 16, we'll look at verse probably 17 and 18 here for just a quick moment to, to, to say something that needs to be said. Don't let all these papers fool you. I'm not going to preach everything out of all the paper. But you know, if you're behind, then you're behind. You have to judge yourself. And if I'm behind, I'm behind. I've got to judge myself. I don't teach you something and then neglect it myself. All right, I want to read this little paragraph here. Praying in tongues quiets the mind. When Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neuroscientist, compared brain scans of Christians praying in tongues with the Buddhist monks chanting and praying, the study showed that the frontal lobes, the brain's control center, went quiet in the brains of the Christians, talking in tongues, proving that speaking in tongues is a function, uh, is, isn't a function of the natural brain, but an operation of the spirit. Doesn't come out of your brain when you speak in tongues. Comes out of your heart. That's critical. And you know you're a spirit. You know First Thessalonians five says, spirit, soul, and body, and in that order. You listen to people talk and you read stuff about articles and they say body, soul, and spirit. Well, that's the problem. You got it reversed. And people that think like that, their body comes first in everything. So they don't mind sinning. They don't mind doing whatever's wrong. They have some pleasure, you know, or just goofballing watching TV and there's nothing on it. Anyway, you know, I watch TV too, some, but it's an operation of the spirit. And that's what we ought to always be working on, our spirit man, to be the dominant one of the three. Your body should be the weakest, not physically, but in that, in that triunity of a spirit, soul, and body. That ought to just follow us along. You know, our decisions come out of our mind, not our brain, but our mind. That's a different thing, but it it can use your brain too some, but just talking to you. I thought that's interesting. It it doesn't come out of the control center. It comes out of your spirit. (laughs) Okay. Mark 16, let's look at this a minute. Verse 15, he said unto them, uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not talking about bunny rabbits there. He's talking about human beings. Verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That's what we're talking about tonight. Talk about speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, talking in tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Then verse 20, and they went forth and preached 
like Dr. Jacobs does tonight at Church on the Rock, New Albany, Indiana, and the Lord worked with him, confirming the word with signs following. So anyway, we're we're talking about one translation of this where it says, uh, in my name they shall uh, speak with new tongues. It says they'll they'll have languages they had not learned. So we're not talking about German or, or, you know, Portuguese or French or Latin. These are things, it comes as a gift to you and for you to use it and advance in it. I don't know why we think when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we've arrived. We just started. Let me show you the early church. That's the first thing they did. And from then on, Paul taught them, talked to the people about that when they get saved, that they need to do that immediately, is get filled with the Spirit, speak in other tongues, have a personal prayer language out of your own being that doesn't sound like mine. Some may be similar, but they're not. And speaking that to God. When I'm praying in tongues, I'm not talking to you. Now, I could say something in tongues and interpret it. That's a little different operation. But I'm talking about you and me just individually being prayers, who people who pray in tongues a lot. I'd say apart from the new birth, that's the one significant thing in my life that's kept me alive. Of course, I'm quick to forgive people that do me wrong, which is often. And I'm quick, to forget, I'm quick to go to God if I do wrong, so I can get forgiven. That's kept me out of the enemy's territory a lot of times. You should learn that from me. Quick to repent if you're wrong, quick to forgive others when they're wrong. All right. So we're talking about uh, praying in tongues here. Let's, let's start here. Here's another little uh, uh, thing I found about praying in tongues in a Pentecostal magazine of people who are spirit-filled. He did a study, and he said 15% pray daily out of 100. More than once a week, 11%. Once a week, 7%. Monthly, 9%. Several times a year, 2%. Less than several times a year, 6%. And never pray in tongues, 49%. Once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you never pray in tongues again. I mean, that's just a, a, the word they, whoever they examined it in that. See, that's pretty serious. I mean, if God said get them filled with the Spirit as fast as you can after they get saved, it must be significant. Then it goes on to say, any wonder folks aren't making spiritual progress. I'm giving you answers. If you're going to make it to the end of what God has for you, we have to get into this. Norville Hayes says this, a lot of people have missed out on the things from God because they don't pray long enough in tongues. He didn't mean in English. He meant in tongues. He's, I'm, I'm fine-lining this to talk about praying in tongues. Uh, there's a praying the word into your life. We're not talking about that, but you need that too. But you need to be praying in tongues. I like to say it this way. You need to pray in tongues more than you think you can. And I'd say that's for everybody. And if you don't agree, you're a liar. I know it. Because you can do better if you wanted to. You can turn TV off or turn the radio off or whatever. I mean, even if you're married and got five kids... You know, and your wife says, take these kids for an hour. I'm going to pray. You ought to help help her to get in the car and go. She'd be a better wife. She gets back. (laughs) Or a better husband. Preaching real good to you. A lot of people have missed out on things from God because they don't pray long enough in tongues. And I'd like to add this comment. He didn't say this right here, but I'm saying it to you. You can't sometimes pray everything out in one setting. If you try to do that, you're, you're just going to be a mess. Some things take time to get prayed out. And, you know, 
Unless you got three or four or five days to go hide out somewhere and pray, that'd be great too. But sometimes you don't get everything just because you prayed, you shimmy, shimmy, cocoa bop, shimmy, shimmy, bop, and that's it. I'm just making fun of that. That's what I'm doing. When you're praying in tongues, you're talking to God in his own language. If you'll pray long enough in tongues, this normal haze, God will answer you. For he will give you the interpretation in English. And if you speak English, you know, if you, it's just not your native tongue, he might give it to you in your homeland tongue. Uh, but you're going to know what you're praying about in tongues. God will start talking to you in your own language so you can understand it. Here's Norville again, one more comment. One of the most important things you can do is pray in tongues. It brings God on the scene. <laughs> yeah. And this is me. This is a comment I made. I didn't get it from somebody else. The more you pray in the spirit, the more the gifts will operate in your life. Don't let tongues become common. Because you, you, you tell people you pray in tongues, maybe because you want to sound spiritual, but if you don't really practice praying in tongues, quit telling people you pray in tongues. You know, you'll get judged for being a liar too. I'm just telling you, I know how God thinks. I'm not putting you out on a limb. I'm trying to help you gain some ground. <laughs> and it may take you a while to catch up. Well, I haven't got time to catch up. Then just go, you're on your own, baby. Do whatever you can do in the flesh. You'll fail, but go ahead. I'm just telling you how to succeed. That's what my part is, teaching people how to succeed in life. And you're going to have to put a value and an importance on praying in the spirit beyond anything you've ever done before. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just get excited tonight and tomorrow morning. By Friday, you forgot what I said. But, you know, we've all done that at some times because we weren't paying attention. You know, tongues, I got a lot of comments here. Tongues is the door into the supernatural not just coming to church. Now, the church can help you learn, just like pastor teaches us. He does a great job teaching. He's a good pastor. Uh, but tongues is the door into the supernatural. It means if it seems like doors aren't opening that you need to open, you need to take time to pray in tongues to get those doors open. And you may have to do that in increments. You know, you may have to take, it may take you a couple of weeks, a month. I don't know. What difference does it make if you find what the will of God is for your life? That shouldn't be a problem. I prayed for nine months, one hour a day, in addition to my regular prayer time, to figure out how I was going to hook up with somebody that was anointed to help me because I needed to be somewhere, not geographically, but spiritually, and I didn't know where there was. And if you're honest, most of you have been there at least once, maybe a hundred times. I don't know about you. I just know I've been there a lot of times. But this time it was real important, vital to me. So I said, Father, I'm not going to add another hour on my prayer time already because it's, you know, pretty lengthy as it is. I'm not bragging. Got nothing to brag about. But I'm not going to add another hour on that and try to go three hours every day or whatever it was. I will take a separate hour just to go pray in tongues until you speak to me about what I'm dealing with here, and that is getting where I need to be, not leave the church and do something different, but, you know, just be where God's wanting me to be, under the right people, under the right leadership, under the right teaching, under the right books. You know, people have been shipwrecked by Christian books their whole life, and I don't get it why you can't judge that. I'm sorry we don't have a 
bookstore anymore. We had it riddled down to be pretty close to everything we agreed with. We don't put books in there we didn't agree with. I don't care who wrote it. Anyway, so if it seems like things aren't opening to you, tongues is the door to the supernatural. And you have to figure out, you know, I think one thing about me that I do more than, I tell people this all the time, I don't know how many people are listening. They heard me say it, but I don't know if they're listening. I ask God a lot of questions if I have them. I don't mind at all. He doesn't tell me to shut up either. Now, a few times he didn't respond to me, so that means shut up. But that's rare when he does that. Kenneth Hagin says, praying in the spirit will develop your spirit. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm not talking about your, edu- your academic stuff. You need to be educated. Whatever you're going to do in life, it'd be smart to get an education. If you're going to be a plumber, go to plumber school. You're going to be a carpenter, you have to go to, the, like I did, I went to the apprenticeship thing. I was three years into it, one more year to have been a journeyman, but God said, you don't have time to do that. I want you in Louisville by August. You're going to go to Bible school down there. I didn't even want to go there. I told him that. He said, well, you're not in charge here. I am. I said, okay. And that's why I'm here today as your pastor because I moved down here. Well, I'm not your pastor, Jordan, but I produced him. (laughs) Give me credit here a little bit. Yeah. Praying in the spirit will develop your spirit and help bring the supernatural power of God into manifestation. Kenneth E. Hagin says that. When you pray in tongues, quiet your mind and focus on your spirit. I love this comment here. There are giftings in your spirit that will never come out unless you take the time to pray in tongues. Kenneth A. Hagin. See, you can't read in a book. You could read in a book some of the people that have been used to God, but you don't have the ability unless God gives it to you to say, I'm going to be like so-and-so. Well, your name's not Brother Hagin. Your name's not Smith Wigglesworth, but you could be another Smith Wigglesworth in the same area of granting divine healing and raising the dead. Somebody said, I think Brother Hagin said, heard him say, some people say he raised 10, some said 15, but Brother Hagin said he knew personally he raised 23 people from the dead in his lifetime. And he was a plumber. He, he, didn't, even read, he didn't know how to read. Polly, his wife, was the more smart one with the Bible and she was pastoring or having a church anyway. And she had to teach him things about reading. But he sure liked praying in the spirit, he says, you know. Think about it. There's giftings in your spirit that will never come out unless you take time to pray in tongues. I don't know. That's just, that is phenomenal. There's just so much that God has for us in the spirit. Now I'm going to talk for just a minute or two here about something. And we are going to pray. I'm going to try to pray tonight, at least in just a little bit here. But I want to help you. And I'm going to minister tonight. If you're here and you've never prayed in tongues and you're listening to me and you know how to receive, then you come up here and I can lay hands on you. You can get it. Or I, by myself, I just received by myself in my bedroom. Knelt down and said, I was reading a guy's book on it. Episcopalian priest, he wrote a book called The Holy Spirit in You. I read about five pages. Got up the next morning and read three or four more. I said, well, you're right. You're, you're smart and I'm not in this area. I just lay down by my little back in the back room where I studied and said, Father, I need that and I want that. And I started speaking in other tongues. Amen. Yeah. When you're hungry, it's easy. You know, of course, it separated me from my denomination. No big deal. I, I love God more than I love my denomination. 
thankful for them that I got saved under Southern Baptist. You know, they'll get a mosquito saved if he'll stand still long enough. <laughs> this is brother, uh, this is Dr. Summerall's little book. He says, it's going to take us praying in tongues to get into the supernatural that God wants to do. <clears throat> okay. Now, you know, you got to judge yourself. If you're praying a lot in other tongues, you would have some inkling. I'm talking just out of my spirit right now for a minute. Of the gifts of the spirit. I don't even know if you know what they all are or what they do. But if you prayed a lot, you would have a, some inkling of that. Or you're probably not praying right or something. That is going to make you a full-time preacher. But there should be something happening around you. Some kind of little dribble of the supernatural. Yeah, I mean, I was on an airplane one time, and the guy was having a seizure, and the stewardess got on. Is there a doctor in the house? Well, I knew she meant a physical doctor, so I didn't raise my hand. And she went by me real quick. She came back by, raised my hand. Yes, sir. I said, I'm a pastor, and I'll be glad to go back and pay for this guy if they want me to. She said, hang on. She went, they said, they want you. Come on. So now we're, we're not landing the plane for this guy. He's not dead. He's just having white stuff come out of the side of his mouth. His eyes roll back in his head, and he's banging his head against the window in the plane because he can't control himself. So I didn't say, all of you, quit talking. I'm going to pray. <laughs> Maybe you thought I did that. I didn't do it, but I didn't whisper it. Now, Father, if you just, I just said, Father, in Jesus' name, I command that to stop. He was by the window. His wife was here. So he just stopped shaking. I said, you might get some Kleenex or something, wipe his face off. I'll be back in a minute. She said, well, we're Catholics. I said, God loves Catholics. You believe in miracles better than the Pentecostals, in my opinion. But I'm going to write some scriptures down for you to read him. When you get off this plane, have somebody take you to a Christian bookstore. Then they were all over the place. Now they're evaporating. Um, but they'll probably come back because there's a move of God on. We're not in yet. <laughs> I've been in a move of God. I've been in a lot of moves of God, really, off and on. But anyway. Anyway, I went around and wrote the scriptures, came back to her and asked her if she had a Bible with her. She said, no. I said, well, when you get off, whoever's picking you up, have them take you somewhere. They probably have one at Walmart, you know. I mean, Amazon sells everything but organs, as far as I know, like hearts and livers and lungs. I wouldn't be past some people. They probably sell that. I know they do in the foreign market, but anyway, you know, I'm not teasing you. Brother Dr. Dufresne said it's going to take praying in tongues to get into the supernatural that God wants to do. Now, let's, let me ask you this. Are you humble enough to want to pray that somebody would be used, not just you? When I say that, I'm not thinking you're going to go home and say, next Sunday I'm going to move out. Well, wait a minute. We don't, we don't even know you yet. Hold up, brother. Mr. 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 Speed. But if you'll just pray that God would move. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's something else he says I like. Praying in the Holy Ghost draws out the mysteries of God. It draws out how God does things. In all my life in the ministry, I thought I should do that, and he'd speak to me, and that wasn't right, and then I changed it. Then talked to him about that, and he said, you need to do this now, and you need to do... And he just would talk to me little by increment by increment. He didn't tell me my whole life yet, but he told me a lot of things. Here's, here's a real great... A word that Dr. Dufresne used to say, a lot of us have made mistakes, but praying in the Holy Ghost will get you back on track. First Corinthians 14, 2, as you speak out the mysteries. 
if you spend time doing that and tell God I'm praying about that and then stop praying, you know, pray a little while. What's the magic number? I don't know. Why don't you figure that out? I like to pray for at least 45 minutes or so just to, you know, get moving. And I can get in the spirit pretty quick after three or four minutes anymore. It used to take me 30 minutes, 45 an hour almost because, you know, you're just a carnal person when you don't think of things like this. You're just a little churchgoer person, you know. And I love God, but I didn't know about all this stuff I'm teaching you. I had to find that out for myself. I went to the domination. They didn't teach it. So I had to say, well, I got to leave. I'm not going to argue with everybody in my whole ministry about it. I'm just going to leave you and go figure out what I'm going to do. Okay, and I did. And by the way, he's taken care of me quite well for 46 years, so. A lot of us have made mistakes, but praying in the Holy Ghost will get you back on track. It might just be a little tweak that he tells you you need to do different. You don't treat your husband right. You don't teach your wife right. You don't, you're not raising your kids to serve me. You're letting your kids play volleyball, soccer, football, basketball. I could go on and on as the sports people. You know, somebody asked me, what's the biggest denomination in Louisville? I said, that's easy, basketball. What's the matter with you? Don't you ever know about the Louisville Cardinals or nothing? Or Bobby Knight throwing chairs? Or Denny Crum, you know, whoever, whoever's your hero. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm telling you this because we're getting ready to move into a move of God and it'll be some that we know from the past, but it'll be everything from the past rolled into one plus some new stuff that God will do. Now, he didn't say all that right here. This is what I want to read and then I'm going to move on. Every man who moves with the move of God will be refreshed. Every man that moves with the move of God will be refreshed. I determined I was going to move with it. Even before I figured out who I was going to follow. You follow what I'm saying? I was asking God, who do I, who do I go to submit to to get me to that other place? You know, if God wants to bless your life and take you to someplace new, if you already knew it, it wouldn't be necessary for you to pray about it. How about that for an answer? You help, I'll help you think tonight. You don't even have to think. In fact, it'd be good if you'd get out of your head for a few minutes and let me just talk to your spirit. You might find out I know something that you don't know or you don't think about because <laughs> you're too much in your head. You can't put God in your head. He won't fit. He's just so much superior to us intelligence-wise. He knows everything from fungus on toenails to nuclear fission, baby, and everything else the world thinks they're ahead of him on. They're not ahead of him at all. He's way ahead of them. All right. Every man who moves with the move of God will be refreshed. Now, let me, I'm going to say this one thing and I'm going to stop and get into the word with you. The more you live in the mental arena, the more you're going to get beat up. So if you only move out of your head, if I save this much money for this many weeks and do this, I'm going to be rich. Well, you might be, but we're, I didn't hear you say a thing about tithing, up in your tithing, up in your giving, up in your commitment in the local church, loving people, loving God. It's never about you anymore. It becomes about other people. <laughs> and you know, I get blessed out of my socks because I'm a giver. You know, I had a funny event happen a while back. I was in a hotel and I had some sinus issues and so I went in there and of course anymore they, they'll leave two Kleenexes in the box instead of just putting a new box in there. Yeah. Even at the gooder hotels. That's not good English but you get it. <laughs> so I just checked in the room. My room looks halfway clean. Sometimes it's not. I went to a meeting recently and they put me in a hotel. It's normally a decent one. Every place I looked the trash cans were full. 
Did you go yell at the maid? No, I didn't. I helped the maids. I didn't feel like fooling with it, and I just let it go. I didn't ever responded downstairs and told off on her or anything. But, you know, I was at a hotel and needed some cleaning, so I looked down the hallway. There's a cart, so there must be somebody there. I knock on the door. Two women <laughs> respond. One's younger, one's older. The older one, bless her heart, you know, she just looks like she'd been beat up, not physically, but you could just see it in her, her mentality, her emotions. She's an older woman, probably been mistreated. I don't know, maybe been through a couple bad husbands. Maybe had to raise kids by herself. I could go on and on with this, you know, indefinitely with humans and what they do to other people because they're selfish. <laughs> I said to them both, I said, you know, you happen to have an extra box of Kleenex. I just moved into this room 310. I don't need my room clean. I just got in there, but I'm having a lot of drainage in my sinuses. And I want to know if I, you could get me a box of Kleenex, a new box. <laughs> so she got on her cart, and, she, and I gave her a $20 bill. Now watch what happened. I went down and all of a sudden at 310, it's the other lady that looked beat up. And so she said, I, I brought you something. I said, oh, thank, hang on. I went and got another 20. Now you say, did you really pay $40 for two boxes? Yes, I did because that's not the issue. You're not thinking with me. I mean, how many of you want to work in a, in a hotel with people's dirt and grime? I'm a, I'm a clean person. You don't know me at all. You know, I take a bath or shower every day I live. I very seldom, maybe once a month or once every six months. But I like to be clean. I cut my fingernails. I get my hair cut. I wash all the parts. Hey, do I need to be more specific? <laughs> Golly, you guys looking at me like, yeah, I don't dirty up stuff for people to do. So I was so blessed by that lady's smile, the older lady. And I bet she went home and she knows somebody. I don't know if she's even married. You know what happened to me today at work? Some guy gave me $20 for a box of Kleenex. Yeah. So anyway, one, one lady almost got in an argument with me. <laughs> another hotel, another situation. And she said, well, I can't take that. That's too much money. I said, well, maybe I could just talk to you briefly, just straight up. Is that okay? Yeah. She didn't know what I was going to say. I said, well, I'm a preacher and I have money. And I know you work here for a living. Is that right? Yeah. She's all tattered up. Do what you want with yourself. I'm just talking. I'm talking about what I'm observing. And she seemed almost adamant. I'm not going to take that. And I said, well, hold on. Let me just talk to you for a second. Would you give me that opportunity? And if you don't want to take it, then I'm not going to cram it down your throat. But you walk around people that are dirty and funky and nasty. I can't even imagine what goes on in these hotel rooms. I pray over. I didn't go into big explanation because she wouldn't have understood it. Yeah. <laughs> go into rooms. I, I'll, sometimes I'm almost tempted to go down and give me another room. You know William Branham? He went to a hotel one time. He asked for 11 room changes before he found one that something horrific hadn't happened in. Wow. <laughs> I'd start telling you, but you'd go want to go throw up, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. So I said to her, listen, you're clean up over everybody that's dirty and funky, and they care less about this hotel, and they, you're just a peon to them. Yeah. You're, you work for me. That's their attitude. But I don't look at that. I look like... I live in hotels anymore, and I appreciate somebody that's diligent and that cleans my bathroom up before I get there from whoever else lived there. And the bed, you know, don't have any bed bugs and et cetera. So I said, I'm not trying to bribe you. I'm just trying to bless you, lady. Would you let me give you the 20? She said, yeah, but you know what? And I said, what? Nobody's ever talked to me like that. I said, I figured they didn't because they think they own you because they're here paying a bill. I don't think like that. I think, praise God, we've got people that take care of a room 
that I'm going to go into and pray in and love God in. And I, I always pray, Father, the peace come on this room. And if it starts to not come, then I'm going to pray a little bit more. And if I need to go downstairs and be changed, I'm going to do that. All right. Okay. I don't know if you're listening or not, but anyway. This Pentecostal experience is called receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost is just that. He's the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came when you got born again to make you a new creature. But he didn't fill you up with his power. That's the second operation that he will do for anybody and all people. We'll see this in a minute. Or some people call it receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's fine too. Or being filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we're just looking at these things because they're important to look at. Uh, first of all, when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we receive the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues. Let's go to Acts 2. Acts 2, we're going to read a little verse here or two. Acts 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 real quickly. And I'm going to tell about a man that was with with me, I didn't invite him. He was in my group to go interview a pastor, and he got real smart aleck with that pastor, and I was embarrassed for not only him but all of us because he said, I just want you to know I got all the Holy Ghost when I got saved. And he was almost like, you get it? You know, he's just a smart butt. Yeah. <laughs> Four-letter word, but not you're not leaving on that. I hope not. And I looked at him, and I thought, what is wrong with you? Why would you insult this pastor? In my evangelism course at seminary, you know, this is 40 years ago now, in the 70s. <clears throat> we had to select a church in, in Louisville area to go interview the pastor that they called was progressive. What the Baptists meant by that, they were getting people saved all the time. Yeah. They had new people coming all the time. People, and, and you know, and uh, so these other, there was four of us in a group. And the other two guys made the appointment. I'm driving out there to meet, to meet this guy. I'm not thinking that he's the guy they told me not to get around when I was in Fairborn, Ohio. I hadn't even left yet. A couple of guys, they said, now you need to stay away from this Roy Lambert. I said, why? Well, you know, he, he prays for the sick and he paid a church off that's in Cincinnati and he didn't even have, any, he didn't, he don't have anything to do with it. He just bought, paid their building off. And I wanted to say to those guys in Southern Baptist, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with your brain? You want me to not get around a guy that's generous and prays for people to be healed? And you don't even, I wanted to say, you don't even preach it here, but I, I'm not as bold as I am today. I didn't know that much. And I'm not willing to put up with all that stuff from people anymore. I just walk away. Don't have to do anything. Don't I give him a hand signal or nothing. I just walk away. All right. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come... And they were all filled with the, uh, one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. Say all filled. all filled. This is the early church. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began. Wasn't the conclusion of everything. The beginning of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it's a gift you have to receive, and God will give you the utterance, but you have to speak it out. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. <laughs> he just gives you the utterance to speak it out. And God knows every language there is, which is much more than you and I know in the earth today. We, he knows things I don't know about that. 
But he said they were all filled and began to speak. That's just the beginning. It's not the conclusion. It's not the climax. It's not the big deal. It is a big deal, but you have to nourish that every day and get more accustomed to praying in other tongues. And sometimes I know in intercession, Donna will remember this. I don't know who was in me praying with me back at that time when I went to the Navajo Nation. You know, I went to the Indians three times in my lifetime out there, the Navajo particular. And I fell in the middle of a group of people. We were in the old fellowship hall. It was carpeted in. I fell on my face and began to pray, and I began to pray in some unusual language. I'd never prayed that before or since. <laughs> and I thought to myself, Donna, you probably remember that, and Dale, where's Dale? And several other intercessors were with me then, not a big group that eventually had, but where were you? Okay, I'll let that go. I had 310 members, and I had seven people offer to come pray with me out of 310. But if I had a picnic, I had 400 people because you invited all the kids in the neighborhood, your aunt and uncle, your cousins. They don't even live in our state. You invited them to come eat. They came and ate my tater chips and hot dogs and pizza. They weren't going to pray with me, believe me. All right, anyway, I got up. I thought, what was that? And when I got out to the Navajos, I was, that was my first trip out. Before I went, I was praying back here. I began to pray in this unusual language. It seemed, it seemed easy to pray in, but it seemed complicated when I thought about what I was saying. I had no idea what I was saying. I got out there, and as soon as I got out of the truck, <laughs> uh, the one guy that asked me to come, he greeted me, but the rest of them, he introduced them to me, and they just stood there like this, and they went. They didn't offer a hand to me. They just went. I think you're pretty stoic, but you have no idea. Just like tonight, he told you to get excited. You know, the prophet likes response. I don't mean take the service off over and run through the chairs and knock people in the head. I don't mean that. I mean, just listen to me and respond occasionally. At least smile at me like you think I'm saying something you'd like to hear that you need. But I went out there, and then I heard these two Indians talking because the bunch of leaders were there. And they were not mean, but they were just, they weren't like, hey, we're glad to see you. We're great. You're here. They just went like a head nod. Didn't give me a warm and glowing feeling, you know, or nothing. I still produce for him. <laughs> we had good meeting. But anyway. <laughs> so I heard them speaking, and I thought, well, that's that language I spoke in back in Indiana. What was happening is the spirit of intercession got on me, and I began to get into diversities of tongues. The other time that happened, I was in this sanctuary praying over two of our missionaries that had were going to have invaders in their home that were carrying guns and tied one lady, one wife of the missionary upstairs and her little girl was four or five years old. And his other kids were with him. When he got home, there's a guy in the doorway. When he opened the door, he's standing with a pistol on him and he got in a, told the other two run. They were 12 and maybe 10 then. And he had an altercation in the doorway and got a gun away from the guy. And the two people upstairs that had his wife and daughter, they ran down the back staircase and ran away because they knew something was going on. And then finally the guy got away from the guy that, that lived there from his grip and ran out the back door. Nothing happened. Nobody got raped. Nobody got touched. Nobody got shot. Nobody got hurt. I mean, they might have got hurt in the fist to cuff in the doorway, but it wasn't anything major. I'm just talking to you. See, this, that's part of what tongues are for when God shows you. We, I was at the intercessory group. I was with certain people that wanted to pray, not just the whole congregation. You know, you try to get the whole congregation going one direction, it's like herding wild cats. 
Nothing personal. I just know how people are. And if you don't know what you're doing, you could just sit and learn. I don't know everything about anything. I'm still learning. That's why I stay fresh. I'm always learning. I'm not always learning and never ever come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm learning and coming to the knowledge of the truth beyond what truth I'm in right now. There's more to come. All right. So it says, they. I want you to remember this. They were all filled. So it wasn't just, well, you're, you're supposed to get filled. No, not you. And they didn't pick out. All of them got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. The beginning, they began to speak in other, some other language that they hadn't learned. They didn't go to school to learn it like you do for French or Portuguese or something like that. They just had it by the Holy Ghost because he came and sat on them. And they began to speak that out. And it lists all the other nations up here in chapter 2. We don't need to go over that now. When we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we receive the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues. Notice that all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and all spoke in other tongues. The New Testament records clearly shows that being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues are connected together. Okay, so when you people get filled with the Holy Ghost, there's coming a moment when you can speak in other tongues because God's filling you up and it begins to come back out of you. If you yield to it, now you can be stubborn and say, I'm not going to say that. It just sounds like gibberish. Just sounds like make believe. Yeah. Well, I don't care what you say about it. It's the Holy Ghost. If He comes out of us, I don't have to impress you with my language. I don't need to be scolded by you because I don't sound like you when you pray in tongues. But I never make fun of people that are speaking in tongues. Even the seminary I went to made fun of those people. They said those people are just crippled. They just have to have something we don't need. We're more spiritual. And I never agreed with them a second, but I didn't know how to answer that question. They were talking about Pentecostal Holy Ghost people that pray in tongues and shake when they get prayed for and take a lap every once in a while. I know those are days gone by for us right now, aren't they? See, we need to realize there's something coming. If we're not prepared for it, God may just skip us. <laughs> okay. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just talking to you. On the day of Pentecost, 120 believers were filled with the Spirit and spoke in other tongues. And then let's go over here to Acts 8. This was eight years later. Acts chapter 8 with me. And we'll look here at verse um, 12 through 19, I think it is. Or 12 through, yeah. 12 through 18 or 19 here in Acts 8. This is eight years after the original group got filled with the Spirit. Are you with me? So this is eight years later. Now it's at verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That's baptized in water. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Philip's the head guy over this meeting. Beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So this man was having miracles and signs too. Not in every area, but we read it back in earlier in this chapter. He had unclean spirits. It came out a lot of people. Those that were lame and palsied were healed, so forth. But verse, uh, verse 14, now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, why didn't Philip pray? I don't think he was anointed to pray for them like that. But some people are more anointed to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to remember who that was. Um, I don't know, then I'm trying to remember that guy's name. But anyway, they, he's a preacher, a well-known preacher. 
And some people came to him and said, would you pray for our child? And it said, well, my wife's used more in healings than me. I'm more used to get people filled with the Spirit. She's in a building here somewhere. Go find her and ask her. She'll pray for your child. And they found her, and she prayed for the girl, and the girl was healed. Smart man. You know, you're not anointed to do everything, but whatever you're anointed to do, you ought to learn about it, how to do it right. And then it says here, verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. That's the Holy Ghost. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them. And they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. He's kind of a crook and a scoundrel, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said, I know people make fun of Peter, but I like his attitude here. Thy money is going to perish with you because you thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. In other words, what are you thinking? Get out of your head. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. And the word matter there in the Greek is utterance. So we know that's just what he's talking about. You're not going to pay and get this gift to get people filled. That's for people that are anointed to do that. And this guy's trying to make a buck and all that kind of stuff. So this was eight years now. And all those in Jerusalem, they all got filled too. And then let's go to Acts chapter 9 and verse 17, I think it is. Um, and Ananias, he was a disciple, and Paul was going somewhere to persecute the Christians, but Ananias was in the town up there, uh, went his way and entered into the house and put his hands on Paul and said, Brother Saul, now first he warned God, don't you understand who this is? This guy hates us and he's trying to persecute us and have us killed or whatever. And he said, it's all right, I know what he's doing. You just do what I tell you. I'm paraphrasing this. And he said, the Lord, said uh, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus said, appeared unto thee in the way as you came, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose, and he was baptized in water there. But we know from over here in 1 Corinthians 14, go over there with me a minute, 1 Corinthians 14, it doesn't say he... Not the gift of that, of tongues, but I'm going to read you what he said about himself later. So I believe because he got his sight back, he also got the Holy Ghost. Chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 18. This is Paul again. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So he did have the gift of tongues. It's not recorded there, but he got his sight back. There's no reason we would not assume that maybe he did get that the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And over here he says, I speak in tongues more than you. That's a pretty big boast unless you really do a lot of speaking in tongues to tell the whole church. And they're, they're way over the line, sweet Jesus, about speaking in tongues. They're really out to lunch, kind of a little overkill, we would say. Anyway, so he did speak with tongues and he spoke more than the whole church that was kind of carried away in that. So it says, three days after Paul was born again, he received the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, Acts 9, 17. Although tongues is not specifically mentioned, we know clearly from Scripture that he did speak with tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Now let's go to Acts 10 and uh, verse 44 through 46. This is 10 years after Pentecost, after two, Acts 2, 4. This is 10 years later. We just read about eight years later. Now we're 10 years after this. Uh, ten years after Pentecost, that was Acts 2, 1 through 4, but we're in uh, Acts 10, 44 through 46. Cornelius and the Jews, and the Gentiles rather, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit by hearing the preaching of the word, and they spoke in tongues, Acts 10, 44. While Peter yet spake these words, he's preaching to them, the Holy Ghost fell on all them. How many? All. 
all them which heard the word. And when the, they of the circumcision which believed and were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So we, it, praying with tongues magnifies God, or we would say makes God bigger in your sight. When you pray in tongues a lot, you know him because there's just a transfer of stuff that happens when you spend time with him, talking to him. You may not know everything you're praying. I prayed sometimes. Many times he'd give me interpretation, maybe on the spot sometime, or I would get it in the next day or two, and he'd start talking to me. I'd be you know, going somewhere in my truck, and the Lord said, I want to talk to you about that two days ago you were praying, and it didn't seem like you didn't, uh, I didn't talk to you then, but I want to tell you this is what you were praying about. And I said, okay, great. But they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So when you speak in tongues, you can magnify God in your own life. He becomes bigger than you perceived him to be initially, but you're speaking in tongues, talking to him. And I always say, you know, you need to stop yourself sometime and just say, Father, I'm willing to listen. What I do is I keep a little pad and a pen or something. I don't have a pen with me tonight, but I'm preaching. So, But anyway, and then I write something down if he tells me something because I don't want to forget it. It's kind of irreverent for you to talk to God that's the creator of all things and be talking to him and not even have any way to record anything he said. I know you think you're just smarter than most people, but I don't think you are. I think you've got too much in your brain already with all the stuff, activity, your computer, your telephone. Your whole life is driven. Your kids, your marriage, your in-laws, your outlaws, and the whole nine bits. I mean, my God. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Most people don't remember. And a lot of times you forget that enough and God will quit talking to you. Because he put me on the, he put me, God, he irritated at me one time because I didn't stop preaching and do what he told me. And I asked him at the end of the service, would you please repeat that? And he wouldn't talk to me about it. So I went back to the hotel and got in my room by myself, started crying. I said, I guess I messed up. He said, yeah, you sure did. Why didn't you just stop and do what I told you to do when I told you to do it, Michael? I don't know. I guess I thought my preaching was more important. I apologize for that. Well, you need to. Next time I tell you to do that, you stop and do what I'm telling you to do right then. Or I'm going to quit dealing with you. Okay, I got it. That hadn't happened again, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the correction right then. All right, because, you know, God is not the big Walmart in the sky. Just like you to know that. It's more, he's a little more sensitive to that. And he wants to see that you're going to obey him, even if it sounds unreasonable to your brain. That's why you need to get out of your head and into your heart. There's nothing wrong with arithmetic. It needs to be two and two is four. And it needs to be when the light's red, stop your car. Don't try to outrun, go through it at yellow, because there's somebody other do that too. And then you both meet at the T, and you're in problems. All right. So we're seeing this here, that they heard them speak with tongues, and they were aware that they realized the same spirit they had received earlier. Peter, as a Jew, he was being poured out upon the Gentile portion of humanity now, because he heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. All right. Let's go 20 years now. Let's go to Acts 19. We're just doing a little word study just so you see that there's a pattern here in the early church. That's what I'm trying to talk to you about. Acts 19, let's start off in verse 1. And it came to pass, Acts 19, 1 through about verse 6, 
that while Apollos was at Corinth, he's one of the main leaders of the early church too, somewhat a teacher, I think. I'm not sure about everything he did. But Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said in him, we have not so much as heard whether there would be anything like the Holy Ghost. See, sometimes people didn't know things. The Holy Ghost was alive all the time, but they'd never heard anybody talk about him. And here's Paul, and he's trying to get him filled because, as I told you, he began to realize the significance of the Holy Ghost in his life and the fact that he spoke in tongues a lot, and it helped him in his life. To hear from God, to get out of this place, they're going to come and try to kill you, do this, say this, do that, etc., so let me see here. And he said to them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, after John, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They weren't even baptized in water correctly yet. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And this is a good place to mention this. A lot of times the gifts of the Spirit will accompany you praying in tongues a lot. And you've got to get this out of your head that the only time you're going to be operating is on a Sunday morning. That you're going to get up here and take the service over and show out. That's not the really right motive. You should want to do it to get people healed. But you've got to be under the pastor's authority. He's in, he's in authority here. Or whoever has the service, you can't just jump up and take things away from people. That's not very smart and not very considerate. But anyway, we're talking about what I wanted to show you in verse 6. When they spoke with tongues, they began to prophesy. So that's a gift of the Spirit, prophecy. And it came after they spoke with tongues. So sometimes just praying in the Spirit, if you do have something. And how about this? I am used of God as much in my prayer life as I'm used publicly. Maybe more in some cases. It's not about being up front or having a mic on that makes me important. I'm important because Jesus died for me. I've been saying that for 30 years. He died for me, so I must be important. <laughs> I'm just talking how I think, and most people don't think like that. Anyway, so 20 years later, that was Acts 19, 1 through 6, from the day of Pentecost and so forth. And... Uh, it says, receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit always carries with it the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That's just what he, what he made it to be. Yeah. Hallelujah. You still here? Yeah. Okay, I'm just about done here. Yeah, I, I thought it's not been bad, but... <laughs> Let me see here. This is interesting. I just one piece of paper because I had something written on it. The message translation, I think it's 1 Corinthians 14... I don't know if it's verse 2 or 4, but it says the message translation, the one who prays using a private prayer language certainly gets a lot out of it. That's a good translation for that verse, either verse 2 or 4. I don't remember which one. I'm not turning over there right now. But we see that that's true. Uh, it says the one who prays using a private prayer language, which is praying in tongues, certainly gets a lot out of it. So you can pray in tongues, you know. You're not going to know about your whole life probably in one setting. And nobody that I know does. I don't even know if Jesus did. So the Bible says in Luke 2, he learned peace upon peace. That's what it said. So, But he knew something and then he continued to live and knew much more. He was the Messiah. Anyway, 
Let me talk to you about this just a second. I remember praying in tongues. I'll give you some more information here. Um, 1980, I was in a church in Otisco, and there was a young lady came to my church. I mean, she seemed like a pretty good heathen to me. And (laughs) yeah, I just knew her. I could, you know, just had revelation of what she was like. And I was praying on a Sunday night in my office, and I I went somewhere. I didn't go somewhere geographically. I went somewhere spiritually. And all of a sudden, because I'm praying for her, I feel like I'm estranged from God. And I said, oh, God, what is that? And he said, that's, you're praying for such and such. And she feels that all the time because she's not born again yet. But when she comes tonight, you give an invitation, she'll walk the floor. She'll come to you, lead her to the Lord. And she did, and I did, and we became friends. And she married a guy in my church at that time, 1980. So somebody got saved. But, you know, I had to go through that. I didn't know anything about feeling estranged from God because I prayed a lot, and I was always praying, not continuously, but a lot back in those days, and still do. But uh, she got saved as a result of that. And I felt detached there for a few like maybe three or four or five minutes, I said, I don't like that feeling. He said, I know, but I'm letting you feel what they feel so you'd be more earnest as you pray for them. And then 1985, that was 1980. 1985, I was doing a Bible study up in Palmyra, Indiana. I always think of that song, Elvira, when I say that. I don't know why. Elvira. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't like country music either, so I don't like heavy metal either. That's the only thing I don't like about Five Guys, the music. And some of those songs I knew word for word when I'm sitting there, and I I say, honey, I got to go. I can't handle that in my brain. Terrible lyrics. Terrible, disgusting lyrics. Anyway, I was coming back from Palmyra. I had a Bible study up there in in a little house. And I was coming back to New Albany and coming down the hill on 64. And all of a sudden, I could have swore Jesus was sitting in the seat next to me. Michael, I want you to start a church in New Albany. And I looked, I, and he wasn't sitting. There was nobody there that I could see, but it sure seemed like he sat down beside me and said that to me. And he said, will you do that for me? I said, yeah, I'll do that for you. So I had a Bible study over at the Franklin's house in the basement. Was anybody a part of that that's here tonight? I don't know if anybody came to that. This, okay, the Gehrings. And I t- told the people in that Bible study, I'm going to start a church in New Albany. I wasn't planning to when I went there to teach the Bible. But it was getting filled up in their basement. We had 25 or 30 people sometimes. Les was there, Les Flock. He's not here tonight, but he was there. And uh, anyway, it was just a, so I started a church. But see, I'm talking about by praying in tongues. I was from uh, Palmyra to New Albany, it's maybe 35 minutes in a car, I'm guessing maybe 40, I don't know. And the Lord said, would you do that for me? And I said, yeah. So by praying in tongues, and I got kind of silent in the car, and he spoke to me, I want you to start a church in this city. In, and I said, in New Albany? He said, yes, in New Albany. Are you getting ready to turn to get on the bypass? I said, okay. So that came out of that. Then 1993, I said to you already, I was... I, I needed to know what to do about something because I felt, I mean, my wife and I were in love. We had two children. There's Jordan. Jessica's at home recovering. She had surgery yesterday, but she's getting better physically. And, uh, but I said, I need to know what to do about this. So I'm going to pray an hour in tongues every day. I prayed for three months. The 91st day, the Lord spoke to me. 
And he said, I want you to call Dr. Dufresne and have him come to your church. I want you to find him and write him a letter and tell him, you know, what you, what you need. And I did, and he responded to me. I, I didn't know he would, but he did, and I'm thankful he did. He came to the church. And we, it was just a fit for me. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you meet certain people, there's a fit, a supernatural fit. And God can't make you fit. If you don't fit, you just don't fit. Sometimes you're in trouble trying to make something fit that's not fitting. <clears throat> that's in marriage too sometimes. If you marry the wrong person, it's really tragic. Because you live with somebody that's not comfortable to live with. They're mean, they're ugly, they're nasty. They're always rebuttaling you and arguing you and sassing you. Just talking. I know, I know none of you would do that. Of course not. That's people you have in your relatives you know about. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, Dr. Dufresne, we hit it off. It was just a fit for me and him, too. And we, Anyway. And also, that led me to him because I was needing healing for my body. It was 14 years before I got healed. Uh, I was sick for 14 years. I had something in there that bothered me severely. And, but it, God put Dr. Dufresne in my life. And one time I was with him eating lunch. And he looked at me and he said, because I told him about that pain, and I, he said to me, that pain's going to leave you, Michael. And he said, all that money you owe on your credit card because you didn't have insurance and you wouldn't lie about it and try to con the medical people. I'm not so sure they haven't conned us, but nonetheless, I'll move on with that. I'll let that sail somewhere, wherever it needs to sail. Mm. Yeah, that's a, I'm just a real deal. I just call it. Now, I'm not mad at everybody that's in the ministry as a doctor. I'm not mad at everybody. I'm not mad at anybody. But that's just the way they've made me feel, and I'm 74. So I'm just talking to you here. But anyway, Dr. Dufresne said that pain is going to leave you, and the $20,000 that you're in debt, you and your wife, will be paid. We didn't tell one soul that he said that. We didn't tell anybody. We, we didn't talk to the church about it. You need to help us. We didn't do that. See, when I say the real deal, the real deal. Not play with you, try to get your money, you know, all that kind of BS and other things I could say. So, but anyway, you know, within about three weeks or six weeks, I think, my wife was the accountant of the house. Honey, somebody just sent us a total of $20,000, different people. We didn't tell anybody we needed that. We didn't ask you for anything during that time either. We didn't even tell you about it. I'm telling you after the fact. That was 30 years ago or something, whatever it's been. Because Dad's been gone 10 years next month, and uh, I was hooked up with him for 20, so that's 30 years ago. But God paid that off, and then one day, it took about 10 months. I got up one day, and that pain down there went boop. It didn't make that sound, but it boogied. It left me. I was so thrilled. All right. Then I remember praying. I woke waking up one night. I prayed for uh, Jeff Hayes. You remember him? He used to go to this church, him and his wife and kids. Nice man. And I woke up, and I was very alarmed that I needed to get up and pray for somebody. And I told the Lord many years prior to that, if you wake me up and tell me to get up and pray, I will not go back to sleep on you. And I meant it. I didn't just say it and then don't do it. So he would wake me up sometimes, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Get, go in the living room and go pray. I, okay. And, you know, you, did you say, what are you praying about? A couple of times I asked, what am I praying about? Just pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I'd pray and I'd wait and then I'd get quiet. And he'd say, you're praying for Jeff Hayes. Because he's going to be in an accident. <laughs> Would it do any good to call him? Nope. But he's not going to die out of it. And he was in his truck. He had some kind of a SUV deal. He had some kind of bruise where the seat belt, it didn't snap 
but when he was made the collision, it, you know, went across his crest and bruised him. But he told me personally when the medics came, EMT people or ambulance people, they said most people are dead. We take them home in a body bag after this kind of accident. And he lived through it. He's in heaven now. Later, he had another problem. I think physically he had something wrong with him or something. But anyway, he went to heaven. See, I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. And the same for Charles Kerberg. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows him. I know him. But I prayed for him for about... I think I wrote this down three times within two weeks. And every time I prayed, I felt like I had a handle on it. And then I'd sleep a couple of days later and God would get up, go pray for Charles. Okay, I'm praying and getting, praying in the Holy Ghost, maybe 45 minutes. And he said, okay, you're praying for Charles. I said, am I done? He said, you're done for now. Okay, I went back to bed. And maybe several days in that two-week period, three different times, he woke me up and I prayed. The third time I said, I'm going to call him when it gets daylight. <laughs> but he beat me to it. He called me. He said, Dr. Jacobs, you know, I've been in a bad accident. I said, that's what I've been praying for you about. God woke me up three times in the last two weeks. And you, he said something about an accident to me. I didn't know what kind. Well, my car rolled over in a, not a pond, but a stream, started filling up with water on its roof. And I climbed out and was able to get on the top of the bottom of the car because it flipped over. And I was delivered and rescued. I didn't drown and da-da-da-da. I said, praise God. See, that's what pray, that's what praying in the spirit and stuff. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Let me show you one last verse here. We've been going a while. Uh, Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 28. This would be a refreshing to us all. Isaiah 28. And, uh, man, just, I really enjoyed being with you tonight. Thank you, Jordan, for allowing me to preach. I appreciate it. And, and, you know, we, if we don't have people that need to respond to me, we're just gonna, we'll just pray over some basic things. I want to pray over Jordan tonight as the pastor. And I'd like to pray over Mike Rabel as our missionary to Mexico. And, and maybe you could, you, I think they just prayed for me last week, so I'll leave myself out for, but I could use your prayers. I'd appreciate it if you'd pray for me. You don't have to pray tonight, but <laughs> just ongoingly. I'm going to Chicago this weekend. Then I come back for, hmm, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then Saturday I go to Nashville and I'm in a big meeting down there at Pastor Rogan's church. And then from there I have a couple of days of R&R. &R, so I'm not coming back home. I'll stay there. And then I go to Pastor, um, Pastor, uh, what's his name? Tiffany Thompson. Yeah, the Thompsons, you know, Tiffany and what's his name? Brandon. I go there for a couple of days. And so, you know, we'll be gone about two weeks then. Then, then I'm in the next month. That's our big meeting here. You might want to come. I mean, it'd be, full of, it'd be full of a lot of things, a lot of good things. And we're having a dinner at my house, and we couldn't invite everybody. Even some of my sons didn't get in on time. We, we left them all notes and messages, Shanta, personal phone calls, emails. They just blew it off. So we just filled them up with other people. Not mad about it. I'm just talking. You know, sometimes... Dr. Refrain said, uh, pastors are like trying to herd cats. They just run off everywhere. <laughs> Some of you sheep are like that, too. Anyway, okay. I'm in Isaiah 28. I'm teasing, kind of. Uh, Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest. So praying in tongues would bring you rest. Uh, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. So if you're weary, you, be, you need to be praying in tongues. That's, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. 
So sometimes you just need to pray over yourself in the spirit and receive the rest that that brings you. I know we're just so people, so <laughs> we have so much at our fingertips. And I think it's terrible sometimes, and other times I want to rejoice, but most of the time I don't, because there's just so much going on in our life. We all got computer. I don't. I have a computer. I don't use it. That's just my business. Don't come and tell me how it's going to help my life, please. I'm not sure how tame I would be with you. But anyway. <laughs> and my phone, which messes up. You know, I think they built it that way, personally, to mess up after a couple of years. But I'm not going to try to sue Apple over it. I'm smarter than that. But I'm smarter than most people think I am, i tell you that. You don't put much over on me, even if people didn't tell me the lie. All right. So that's what I mean. We just got so much to do, but you need to pray in the spirit just for yourself to receive refreshing. I don't like to have music on. Well, you could shut it off for an hour. You won't go. You won't die over it. And you know you don't. It's noise, 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 noise. One time, brothers Dale told me one time he tried to camp out in his garage for a couple of days, like I did, and he said I about went crazy in there. <laughs> Something like that. I'm just called to be alone a little bit better than some people. I like people, but I'm called to be alone most of the time. And, you know, I just do what I do. Try to do what I'm doing the best I can. In hotels, I'm not in there sitting down watching TV all day. That's for sure. I'm praying or I'm studying or I'm, I may listen to Dr. Dufresne on a CD or on my iPad. I have an iPad. It's got a lot of stuff put on it. Uh, hundreds of messages from different people. But anyway, so remember praying in tongues is a rest for you. So if you're feeling driven or uptight, don't know what to do, da-da-da-da-da-da, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Listen, folks, figure it out. Listen, God is smarter than humans. He knows everything about everything. And I've went to him many times, I don't know how to figure this out. Well, then you need to trust me to figure it out. Yeah, I am. I want you to speak to me about this. <laughs> okay. I'm not making fun of anybody. I had to learn the hard way some of this stuff. But I trained myself to be alone and not be antsy. You know, like I got to have something playing so I can hear something. It's almost like a drug addict if you're not careful. Don't be like that. Learn to get settled and learn to be alone for a while and just talk to Father. Or you could pray a little while, and then I'd get quiet. This is what I do, and I say, Father, I'm listening. Yes. I may shut my eyes. I may not. If I'm alone, I may. I may not. I say, I'm listening. I never shut my eyes in the car. <laughs> but <laughs> just so you know that. Yeah, that's good. So I just say, I'm listening. And if he, he starts talking, I get my piece of paper and pencil. He's told me a lot of things. Some I've never revealed to anybody because he said, that's just between me and you, Michael. I told you about that person, why they died, and da-da-da. But don't tell that to your church because it's caused a lot of problems. I'm talk I asked him why did they die, and he told me. So I'm not open to talk to you about it, or I would, because he said that's just for me and you to know. And sometimes he said that's none of your business. I said, fine, I won't ask again about it. But they're not here, so they went to heaven. All right, let's stand up together a minute. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.